and welcome to episode 78 of the Worldwide Shelves podcast. Uh, well, this is technically part two because uh, we tried to record the game last week and we had a great an hour long episode and the record button decided to stop about five minutes in. So we weren't able to give you a wonderful episode. So that's why we had a bit of a extended break in the international break. Not completely our faults, but sometimes technology uh, gets the best of us. But we are back and we have come back for a, a brilliant game. And I've got my brilliant regular guests once again. First of all, Marv, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great, my friend. Happy to be here again to speak with you wonderful fellas. How about you guys? Yeah, I'm good. I'm happy that I get once again Chelsea are top of the league. That's all that matters at the moment. So, And I'm glad to speak about what will be an interesting game. Yeah, let's do this. And obviously my second guest, one of my favourite guests and someone that's always available, which is always nice. Uh, Jesters, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, doing doing great. Uh, game was tougher than I thought yesterday. I think some of that was down to us. But, you know, uh, Brentford is not the usual come up, uh, team that just gets uh, promoted and has nothing. Uh, they play a very, very good system. It's just, you know, it's not like they, made, they chopped and changed a bunch in their team coming from uh, the championship up to, to the Premier League. And they're well drilled and well coached. So, you know, sometimes you've got to struggle to win, but we did. We got through. So, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, when we had obviously the preview on Sadiq's channel, uh, we spoke a lot about a particular debate that I felt went on too long and went in circles and circles and circles. But I mean, I didn't mention, I didn't have time because obviously everyone was shouting over each other. So I didn't actually have time to say that. I actually thought we were all underestimating Brentford. It was the everyone, people were saying five nil. See, people were saying three nil, three one, and I, I was sitting there thinking, "This is going to be." I predicted one one. Why is it? I, I was thinking, I was like, "Am I being too cautious about this game, or is everyone being underestimating?" And I, I just thought, I've looked at Brentford. They've only lost one match this season, and that was a very late stoppage time winner by Trossard. They've Liverpool went there with the big team arrogance and they drew. Chelsea yesterday, I think, went there with big team arrogance and could have lost the game, if I'm honest. If it weren't for a player that we will mention straight away uh, in a minute, uh, a player that arguably is one of the best of his position, but we'll get into that. But I, I, I think we could have lost that. And I think it is... I, I, I didn't understand why people were underestimating. Normally people are so happy to talk about these tactical hipster managers but everyone forgot the Brentford Matt everyone forgot Brentford everyone thought we were just gonna walk over them but there you go that's we learn we learn something new every day um Marv I'll get to you quickly did you think some Chelsea fans particularly on Twitter were underestimating Brentford um I think yeah quite quite positive um, they're definitely not one of those teams that you should be able to roll over because I keep arguing, yes, there are shit teams in the league. And I hate that discussion where I said, there are no easy games. No, there are easy games. Liverpool won 5-0 yesterday. There are teams you should roll over, but Brentford is not one of them. They're a very good team. They've got, they have better players than their previous league would have suggested. And I think I actually didn't expect to win. I actually thought it was going to be 1-1. 
uh, actually to, uh, before the game started. So I'm happy we won, but yes, there are there are causes for concern, which I'm sure we can discuss a bit later in the pod. And secondly, do you think the Chelsea team itself underestimated Brentford a little bit? Definitely not. I do not think so. Uh, the team tried hard. They they well, we have to remember it wasn't even our first choice eleven. Um, no, I don't think the team underestimated. The team worked really hard. Well, uh, a large amount of them worked really hard to try and get this win. So I don't think they underestimated Brentford, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I I, I heard a lot of people saying it on Twitter. I, I I actually personally think we we did estimate them, and I think we, if anything, I think at times in this first half, particularly, we were a little bit too cautious um, with some of our play. But I think that was also because of the. Uh, lineup which we'll get right into now um yeah it was a interesting lineup obviously the lineup was mendy back three of Saar, chalabar christensen midfield of kovacic kante loftus cheek wing backs chilwell and aspilicueta and then Werner lukaku up front just as i'll get to you what did you think of the lineup obviously we kind of missed out Saar completely uh, i think no one mentioned Saar on the extreme assuming because we all thought he was never having a chance of starting but he did um what did you think of the lineup when you first saw it well i i, I was the one who said we'd play a, a three five two to match up with brentford I, I there was no doubt in my mind everybody was like no we're gonna play a three four three i'm like nope we're gonna match him up we're gonna play a three five two especially since what which attacker is having a good season so far uh you can say lukaku it's been been uh, a little bit above average when he's gotten the service but you know nobody's really firing in an attack and so given our problems coming back from international break over and over and over again uh, we don't do well and given the fact that Brentford is a tough team uh, I knew we would play a 3-5-2 I thought it would be different personnel um, I got all but one of them right um in the midfield i thought Jorginho would play with with loftus cheek and conte uh which for me i thought would be a better lineup because loftus cheek gives you more going forward than than kovacic and conte ever will at this point um for the first two games of the season season kovacic is back to his well you gotta do something brother and he doesn't he does some beautiful stuff in the middle of the pitch, but when it gets down to that where the rubber meets the road, you know, he just falls away. Um, but considering the fact that we had two very, very young center backs on the field, uh, one with their uh, Premier League debut and one that's, what, third game now in the Premier League? Yeah, I thought for large portions of this game, we played very well about 60 minutes of the 90. It was just maybe the last 30, 25 minutes that we were pretty awful. Yeah, I think defensively we played very well for 60 minutes. I'd argue in the attack, I think generally was a bit lackluster at times, but that has been at times the story of our season. Um, yeah, I mean, it was... I, I did think when you when you were saying about the three five two, I thought it was going to be more of a we'll switch between the two as sometimes we do tend to do. We tend to play Mount and then he'll play as that kind of inside forward when we attack, but when we defend, 
turns into a midfield three. But I think the three five two, I could understand it as well. I'd, again, I wouldn't have gone with that midfield that he chose. Um, but until Kovacic went off, we was actually doing okay in the midfield. And it was only when Kovacic came off and Mount come on, funny enough, that the midfield just went to crap because Mount decided to be an inside forward when I don't think that was supposed to be his role. But there you go. Um, Marv, what did you think? What was your first thoughts of the starting lineup? Um, I was worried. <clears throat> and uh, not for the reasons you might think. <clears throat> I was really concerned about the back three, but not the, necessarily the fact that Malang Sar was playing or, uh, or even Shaloba. I was worried because in that three, there is no leader. And as much as Christensen has been very good, he is not a leader. And I will die on that hill. And it showed. In the second half, they every time they got the ball, they completely shit themselves. And it got worse when the midfield stopped helping. And that kind of really caused problems. Every time they got past the halfway line, our team were just in a frenzy, just running around trying to get everyone behind the ball, which is fine, good defending. But had we not had the great goalkeeper, they would have scored. Because I don't think we had any control. Without Thiago Silva and without Rudiger, this uh, back four does not have leadership. Back, sorry, the back three did not have leadership. And I don't think it was really made better at any point of the game either. I think <clears throat> once once we started getting dominated, they had no answer. And every time it come to one of the back players, the ball got booted away really fast. And in the end, I mean, we were very fortunate in the end as a result of that. Uh, the lineup in general did scare me. However, it was, there wasn't too many options with the injuries and stuff that we have, so we can't complain too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I really agree with your point about Christensen. I, I kind of subtly mentioned that last night because um, I mentioned, obviously, with Shalabar. I think overall he had a decent game, uh, especially at the end where he uh, cleared the ball off the line. That was really vital. But I felt it was at a time where he was doing really well with Ivan Tony, and then... He started for some reason. I think it's just because of his inexperience, which is natural. He started getting into a physical battle with him, and that obviously then led to the possible penalty that we'd talk about. Um, I feel if, if you had a Thiago Silva or a Rudiger there, I feel they probably would have said to Shalaba, right, don't get into the physical battle. And I feel Shalaba would have eventually uh, stuck out of it. But I think... There was just, I, I understand a little bit because there was, I think it wasn't, I don't think he blamed the defenders for the last 30 minutes because I think the midfield just gave way and it was, it felt like at times under Lampard when defenders would just get put in such awkward positions that whatever they do would possibly go wrong. Um, so, but I think they did, I think the defence overall did very well. I think, yeah, just it lacked experience, but I could kind of understand. I think obviously you got Rudiger Silva were both out. And I also probably think James wasn't 100% because I think if he was, I would have felt maybe they would have put Aspi in that back line um, just to try and get some sort of experience in there. But obviously, I, I assume James wasn't 100% ready. And that's why I think he only come on the last bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the lineup for me, I, I, was, I thought Jorginho would play. And I still think... Uh, from that, I, I mean, Kovacic and Asby to a point. I think they were borrowing, they were borrowing Harry Potter's cloak of invisibility because they were just not there in that entire match. Um, I mean, apart apart from apart from the yellow card from Kovacic, which was probably the reason why he come off in the end. Um, there wasn't, re they didn't really do much 
Um, it was back again. Kovacic was back to his not doing enough, and this is where I'll make come on to the next point. Obviously, Ruben Loftus Cheek um, out of all the midfielders, and I'd argue probably the attackers, bar probably Werner, probably created by far the most. Um, I remember in the first couple of minutes, he made that just that drive into the into at the Brentford defenders. I went, I think he went through one or two, and then. His pass wasn't the best, but I mean, that was the story of Chelsea's attack in general. But um, my point is, obviously, it is a couple of games. We don't want to get over ahead of ourselves. We need to see how he does over 10, 15, 20 games. But I feel like Ruben is coming, becoming the player that we all want Kovacic to be. Um, Jasters, I'll start with you. Would you agree with that to some extent? Well, I always said if Ruben didn't get the Achilles injury, we would have never bought Kovacic. He would have been sent back and said, you know, we don't need him. We've got Ruben. Ruben is is by far a better midfielder than Mateo Kovacic because he's got one, one thing, end product. Okay? If, if everybody doesn't remember, 1819 Ruben Loftus-Cheek was an animal. And if we get 1819 Ruben Loftus-Cheek back, our midfield's good, uh, and, and he's doing it from a deeper position right now, which is great because he gives us some height and physicality that we don't have anywhere else. Uh, you could probably say Saul, but Saul is not as good on the ball as Ruben is. Uh, and I, I never thought, look, full disclosure, full disclosure, I thought Ruben was done because I saw him last year, and I did not see 18-19 Ruben. So... Whatever Thomas Tuchel is doing with these these uh, players, you can, you can count Sar into that. You know, I, I think uh, Monster said that he was giving them Sinsu beans. You know, great uh, Dragon Ball Z reference. He must have done something with Ruben because Ruben's look, starting to look like 18-19 Ruben. And everybody should be worried if there are our opponents with that guy on the pitch because he is so physical when he dribbles. You saw people bounce off to him. He he almost knocked somebody out because they ran into him. He is what we need in that midfield as far as physicality that we that we desperately lack. And sometimes you say, you know, Conte's physical, but he's not tall. Um, he can't, you know, he, sometimes you can play the ball right over their heads because they can't get up and get the ball. Uh, Ruben was sensational uh, by far the best midfielder on the pitch. And if I was Mason Mount, I'd start looking over my shoulder because if we stick playing a midfield three, Ruben needs to be in there. There's no doubt in my mind that, that he's already stamped his place. I don't care if he wasn't supposed to be here. He's here now and he's doing bits. You put somebody on like that on the pitch and whether it's Jorginho suffering, Mount suffering, Kovacic, Conte, I don't care. I don't care what your name is, what you've done in the past, who's performing right now, and you, he's one person you can say is performing. So, yeah, all praise to Loftus Cheek. I'm glad I was wrong about him, and I hope he gets better and adds some in products, some, uh, some through balls, some nice passes, and maybe a shot or two f- from distance outside the box that will open up the defense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, with the whole Ruben thing, I'm, I, I've I kind of said that I've said this for a while that I think he will give him the chance and he will get back to somewhat his best. Um, currently, I'm reveling in that, but let's hope it can carry on. Um, Marv, 
would you agree with that state the possible statement of Ruben possibly being what we thought Kovacic would be? Um, no, I, th- I, I, I mean, that's an odd comparison. I think they're, they're very, very different. Yeah, they're both good at carrying the ball, but other than that, they, that's where the buck stops because they're very different players, right? Um, I've always been a huge fan of Loftus-Cheek. Um, when he started coming uh, under uh, coming of age, even before Sari season, he was uh, at Crystal Palace, and I loved how he plays. Um, I'm really happy he's been given an opportunity because I think another loan would have had him eventually sold. Um, I think, and, and if he stays fit, then he is going to be playing a lot. And I think he is an absolute asset. He is, a, for me, we, we overrate so many youth players like Abraham um, and players like that. We're okay, you know, they're doing, we're doing well at Roma, but we, we overrate players too much. And then the one player, the one youth player that we don't overrate is the best one. If he was in the squad when we won the Champions League, he would have had a similar impact to the likes of what maybe Carver and, and Georgie had, in my opinion. He is a great player. He also can score goals. He can create goals. When play, when we need to unlock a bit of space, he's a player that can do that. And we, we need players like that. I'm, I'm quite surprised how he's been so unbelievably slept on down the years, honestly. Marv, tell me about it. I mean, I, I'm I, I, the amount of times I have to defend Ruben off the cheek. Even in back in Sari days, I remember to people when he was suppo- at, at his best. Even people, I, I'd get people playing ball, oh, but Hudson Odoi. I'm like, don't don't talk, don't chat to me about Hudson Odoi. Chat to yeah. me about Ruben. Ruben, I, I think as good as Hudson Odoi was in that Sari season, and he was pretty good. Um, Ruben was better. Ruben much. was a much better player, and he 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 was a big catalyst to why we went on, went on to win the Europa League. Um, it was a key component in winning games. Um, I think he got us through one of the ties in the end. But yeah, so, I agree. He's, he's so overslept. I get the, the injury that people kind of overslept on him in that aspect. But generally, it's been the one player I've never seen people very much rate. Yeah, I've so, seen it I, as well. Sorry, go on, sorry. I want to put at this point, I, I, look, I... I don't really compare him to Kovacic because Kovacic has no end, end product. I just said we, we wouldn't have bought Kovacic if, if Loftus-Cheek was fit. But let me give you another one here. Is Ruben what we... Is eighteen nineteen Ruben what we think Mount is? If you want to do the comparison, would it be Loftus-Cheek to Mount? That's a good um, point. Yeah, I, I think they played so certainly their best position is the same position. Um, I still think Mount does bring slightly different qualities to what Ruben brings. Um, I'd argue you could probably use both of them in the same team for different reasons. But in terms of who would get in the starting lineup, honestly, as much as Lampard loved Mount, I think if he had a fully fit Ruben, because I remember he loved, he liked to use Kovacic because of his driving, driveness, and that's Lampard's first season. That's where Lamp, uh, Kovacic had his best season, arguably. Um, so I, I think I think he would have done really well with Ruben. So that that is that is a very good point. Um, it's just what the one thing I hate is you. As soon as you slag off a in uh, academy player, you normally get the say you get these people going, "Oh, how dare you? They're, they're from Cobham." But these are the same people that call Ruben Loftus-Cheek an Instagram model. And it's like, I don't understand it. He's literally the best of the bunch. 
really like, I know about these slagging off uh, Academy products. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get a bit of that. So just a little bit, just a little, just bit. A little bit. But any, anyway, we'll get into some of the rest of the match. Um, and we'll talk about who I assume is everyone's man in the match. Uh, and the guy that really did save all three points, Edward Mendy. Um, Marv, just tell me, what did you think of Edward Mendy's performance? Absolutely crazy. I mean, actually, because <clears throat> it's interesting, when we were talking about goalkeepers, because it was a conversation for a while because we realised Kep wasn't quite at the required level. Um, and in, in general, it's it's something that really interests me a lot because when we were linked to the players, I really liked him. And I, I really liked the idea of Mendy when I was seeing... We were, wanted O'Black, and then when we saw Mendy, up, I, I checked him out a bit, and I thought, this is actually quite a good player. And um, I was really happy when we signed him. I thought, this guy looks good. I would never would have imagined he would have got to what he is now. I thought he would be pretty decent. But, you know, when you analyse the goals they conceded, and only one was a mistake by him, I thought, OK, this is a good keeper. He's And how anyone now can say that he is not the world's best. I find that just to be a bit weird, and I'm a Chelsea fan, but look at the saves he's making. He's, he almost single-handedly won us the game. I mean, Marv, I'll just say this. He's not a Ballon d'Or nominee, but Donnarumma is. It's crazy. Donnarumma simply just made a couple of penalty saves against bums in the final, and 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 has somehow got, got a nomination. I don't think he's ever played in the Champions League, has he? Um, no, I think he's been Europa League, as far as I'm aware. They didn't even win that. They got beaten by Man United. I mean, if you're getting beaten by that club, you've got to throw it. You know, how the hell is has he not been nominated? Even if Donnarumma was nominated, <clears throat> other goalkeepers that have probably got nominated, I haven't checked it, but I'm guessing Manuel Neuer hasn't been the same for about four years. Um, De Gea, nowhere near. Um, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to check this now. I think Donnarumma is actually the only goalkeeper that was nominated. Um, I'll just double check the list. But I mean, there was an interesting quote that come out from Fabrizio Romano um, last night, saying that obviously we were linked with Donnarumma in the summer, and apparently the board decided not to take, not to go after Donnarumma at all because they described Mendy as untouchable. Um, Marv, do you think that? Do you think? Do you think the board are completely right with that? Um, absolutely. <clears throat> I think that was a bloody brilliant and inspired decision. Um, whilst Donnarumma is a good goalkeeper, and I think he definitely would have improved us, he was a lot of people's choice. I think the fact that we picked out Mendy, uh, and, and a lot of people never would have seen him, and I, I hadn't. I had to go back and watch a couple of Ren games um, to, to, uh, and then watch a couple of comps and all that stuff to actually look at him and think, wow, he looks good. So, you know, and that's me who does, I do like to do my research on players and I do watch the other leagues. Um, a lot of people just, well, I don't have as much time to do that as much as I used to. But when we do that and we see, but no one really knew who he was. So like, who's this guy? And when that West Ham employee Twitter said we're interested in him, um, we were all like, who's this? And now we're looking at who isn't this, you know? Uh, I think it's just, uh, our scouting doesn't get given enough credit. If you're able to unearth someone like that, it's just freaking well, I'll, I'll say it. Petr Cech. Petr Cech deserves uh, big ups for that. I mean, I, I mean, someone said it on the um, stream yesterday. Obviously, again, it's a Rennes goalkeeper. 
no surprise Wren's producing another good goalkeeper. He was like, why don't we just put a down down payment on the next young Wren's goalkeeper that comes through? Because we've already got a success from two of them, so why not get try a third? Um, but yeah, I mean, just to confirm, yeah, Donnarumma is the only goalkeeper that was nominated for the Ballon d'Or. So that, that for me, that's crazy. But there you go. Um, Jesters, what did you think of Edouard Mendy's performance? Yeah, I, you know, there's a uh, there's a lot of hand wringing over the Edward Mindy situation. Of course, no Ballon d'Or um, coming from nowhere, but and I usually don't agree or like to bring them up a lot. But uh, ESPN FC Shaka Hipslop, they were talking about um they were talking about this very subject and he said on and Shaka Hislop of course was a, a goalkeeper in the Premier League said on on saving this just pure saving shots Edward Mendy is the best in the world right now and the only reason you can ar- have an argument for Allison or Ederson is their ball playing ability is better at this point. Their passing out of the back is better than Mendy's. But I would rather have the best goalkeeper at saving shots than playing the ball out of the back. Because first and foremost, their job is to save shots, right? They're not they're not there to be a midfielder. Play, you know, they're not there to be a creative midfielder. It's nice, it's a bonus, but it's not the first attribute I want my keeper to have. Um, and I think probably those two are a little bit better at saving penalties than Mendy is, but from open play or set piece, other than penalties, Mendy is fantastic. He's been fantastic. And yesterday he stood on his head. I mean, even took a shot to the face. So, you know, in, in hockey, they say the goalkeeper standing on their head when you can't put something past them. Edward Mendy was not getting scored on yesterday. They could have played until midnight last night. And he would still would have had a clean sheet. It's just one of those games. He was like, they're not scoring. And that's great. That's awesome. And that that is something that you have in your locker. And it's something that you can depend on. You don't want to depend on it that much. Because he's human just like everybody else. He will make his mistakes. But it's great for, for this past game to have somebody who is just not going to let anything in. So... I'm not worried about the individual awards. Ballon d'Or is a is a is a fake award anyway. It's a popularity contest. I'm not too bothered about it. I would rather have Champions League, Super League in my in my trophy cabinet than Ballon d'Or. Edward Mendy has those other two trophies. And probably Club World Cup and maybe Premier League this year and another Champions League. So yeah, not too worried about it. Um, the best thing is he's loved by our fans. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing, except for those few out there that have a problem with where he's from, we won't discuss that, but I'm sure there's still those out there, but everybody else is hundred percent Edward Mendy. Yeah, definitely. You got the occasional Kepa stand as well. Don't forget. Uh, there Sadiq are. is not here. I know. I don't think, I don't mean Sadiq. Sadiq, Sadiq, <laughs> Sadiq, Sadiq, Sadiq loves, uh, 
shit at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> uh, we, we made that joke yesterday. We were like, he's doing Barkley, he's done Alonso, he's done Emerson, he's done Kepa. So we were like, maybe next he's going to go for Danny Drinkwater's revival <laughs> on, his loan, on his loan spell. Yeah, Marcus Alonso was brilliant yesterday at left wing back, wasn't he? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> um, uh, sorry, Sadiq, I had to get that one in. Uh, he'll be listening to this and he'll be fuming, but it, it's brilliant. We, we, it's all love. It's all love. Um, yeah, but Mendy for me. Smash the not... lag. Subscribe. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Marv impressions again. Make it or chill. Which one you want, guys? I'm trying to get information for you, Harland. Harland. Oh, God, don't mention Harland. Don't mention Harland. Harland, <laughs> Sadiq, he's my boy. Oh, <laughs> uh, love you, Sadiq. Anyway, I mean, I think Mendy, personally, there's no debate now. People keep talk, coming to me, chatting about Allison, chat, chatting about Edison. They're not in the same league, at least in terms of stop-stopping, shot-stopping. Yeah, they can put, play a fancy pass every now and then, and maybe Mendy's not so beautifully, tannically in terms of the way you look at his passes, but Mendy is one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the world, and no one can come to me and say otherwise. Um, some of that's like the save. Yesterday it was the um, overhead kick, which, by the way, it was, that was a fantastic overhead kick. Um, it weren't one of the ones where they've just hit the shin that's got no power. That had, That was the exact pinpoint perfect overhead kick. And the way he's just tipped it onto the bar, I mean, the photos just speak for itself. Um, even the one where he just got hit in the face. I love that. Like, that's that. He's like old school goalkeeping. Just no matter what it hits, if it hits you, it hits you. And yeah, M- Mendy, what a goalkeeper. What a bargain. What a signing. One, uh, it's probably one of the bargains, best bargains Chelsea have had. And Chelsea have had a lot of good bargains, but that is definitely one of them. Um, now to go in. Oh, go on. Just just to point, point this out, just because I know she's watching and she's recovering from heart surgery, Miss Molina, he, he costs less than Aaron Ramsdale. Just, I just want to throw that out there. Oh, God. oh don't let me... Uh, that's, that's, uh, uh, Melina, we are sorry. Just yep. as... Get well. Yeah, Hopefully. get well soon, Melina. I hope you, get, hope you uh, recover from your surgery uh, soon. Uh, we're all thinking of you. Um... Yeah, so go into what will be a bit of a negative, and that was generally throughout the game, the attack. Um, for me, I felt we were just so... La- it was, a, again, a game where Lukaku was starved of most kind of service. He got a couple of chances where maybe, yeah, he didn't probably didn't take them as best as we want, and he was offside for a couple, but... For me, again, he didn't get enough. It was uh, The way I could describe it, he was like Oliver saying please sir can i have some more but he wasn't getting any more um but yeah and the, the midfield just seems again out so out of ideas i mean Werner was doing okay with his decoy runs and trying to create space but again apart from ruben's occasional run and pass we just seem to lack that killer pass marv um what do you think is up with our attack i mean people have said it's due to the formation but i'd argue you tap no matter if you, you, the formation change does not give you a killer pass. So, no, it, what what do you think is up with this attack at the moment? 
Um, well, I mean, my opinion is obviously not popular because it comes in the list of the untouchable criticism players that you cannot criticise or you just get insulted. Um, <clears throat> so, what's the common denominator? Last season we were second, our Juventus just scored. Last season we were second <clears throat> uh, in chance creation. We had the highest chance creation in the XG, we underperformed it. So now we are actually starting to lose games on XG, uh, which, yeah, is fine now. And we all celebrate, yeah, that's what wins titles and all that crap. However, that is not going to last forever. We're not going to be able to Atletico Madrid this thing. And, I mean, if you look even in the game against Brentford, our XG in the whole game was ridiculous. It was, uh, what was it? In the second half, we created 0.02 expected goals against Brentford. In the whole game, we were one88 for Brentford and 0.28 for Chelsea. That is very bad. And that luck isn't always going to follow us, not for the whole season. Now, the problem <clears throat> with that is, the, the issue is, in my opinion, is personnel. And if you're looking how we did it last season, Havertz and Werner, they always move. Lukaku does not move. He does not counter-press. He holds it up and lays it off. And that's it. And it, I think because of that, we're playing worse. We're not creating as much as we did previously. With Havertz and Werner, they always move. Now, yeah, Werner misses those chances, but he gets himself in the position to have said chances that should result in goals. We're not getting that from our striker at the moment. And people will make excuses we're not creating chances from. I've never bought into that, and I never will. You have to, to be 90-something million, you have to be able to do something well yourself. And for me, this is one of the, this is the core reason why we're creating less. Because the system is the same. The system is exactly the same. So the system cannot be why we're not creating chances. I think that we maybe created a little less than we did under Lampard because we're a bit more solid at the back and the system is a little more defensive than what we played under Frank. However, I think it's personnel. And I think when we've got a striker that is scoring, it's easy to kind of forget that we didn't create as much. If we're thinking of coming back to the Zenit game, we created almost nothing, but Lukaku scored that header. And so when Lukaku was popping up with his one chance per game and scoring everything that he hits, it's all well and good. But when he's not scoring those goals, we're creating a lot less. And whilst we're laughing about it now in first place, we will not win the league unless we improve on this. That's what my opinion is on, on the matter. And also, we don't have any elite final ball players either. We've got none. The closest we have is Ziyech, and he's not been playing too well. And the only player we got that opens up defences is Pulisic. So you put Pulisic and Loftus-Cheek there, yeah, then we got a bit more of a chance. But without that, we don't have dribbling players. We don't have final third players that also do that. So that's the secondary issue, I would say. Then we look at the midfield that we have, very good midfield, but not overly creative midfield. So that could be the third issue. And then the system is very far away as the fourth issue, because the system is very secure for us to compete better. Yeah, I mean, see, I, I do agree with the Lukaku thing to an extent. I do also think, like, cause I, I did spend some time just to watch specifically Lukaku, what he's doing. Is he making runs? Is he is he looking to do stuff? And there were so many times where he was on the edge of the last defender and he'd go to make the run and then have to come back because someone's Havertz or Werner anyone, even Loftus-Cheek to an extent, would just not see the pass. And I was just looking, I was like, if you feed it to him and he turns and goes on to score, then he just, I, I just, you kept going side to side, side to side, 
backwards, side to side, goal kick, and then restart again. And it was just points where I can understand, as you said, you're perfectly right in the fact that a hundred million pound player needs to do more himself. Um, and I, I do understand that to a point. I think that's that Lukaku does have to improve, have to has to do that. Um, uh, that's why I don't completely uh, not criticise him at all. Um, but there is just problems. And again, I, I agree with you to the point. We we need someone like Pulisic, and we don't have that. I'm, I'm going to call it the Kevin De Bruyne-like player who can play that killer pass, split, bit ball splitting pass. The only ball splitting pass we did all game was in the 28th minute by Trevor Shilova. We sh- we shouldn't be expecting a centre back to make the ball split and pass. So I mean, it's just it's just frustrating. I just look at Havertz, and I know he's young, and I know some with players price tags they don't they can't determine their price tag. It's what the club clubs negotiate and pay. But I just don't see enough from him. And when the fact that he's not created a big chance this season, I'm just like, how can how how is that possible? Um, Ziyech, I, I just, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. I, I had a lot of faith in him, but I just not seeing anything. Um, Werner, obviously, he does his decoy runs, and he, I, I think Werner has been, generally, he's been okay this season. I don't think Werner's been a problem. Um, but yeah, hasn't, Pulisic, gone. Hasn't really played, has he? Now, when, when he started playing, you know, he's we, we've been better. Yeah, I, yeah he's done all, he's done all right, but just we haven't really seen much because again, I don't think he's being fed either. Um Mason Mount, again, he does all this good off the ball work, but we're not seeing any part we're not seeing the creating the chances enough. Um and that's the problem. We're not we're not creating anything and I I just don't know how we don't how we solve this this season without going into the transfer market which Considering we've just bought all these players and none of them have worked in the attack, worries me a little bit about how we're looking at attacking players. Um, Jesters, how what what do you think is going on in the attack, and how how do you think we need to solve this? Well, it, uh, let's go micro first. Microcosm of yesterday's game is name the name the playmaker on the pitch for us yesterday. Anybody? I, one could say the only one that has that in their locker is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. That means <clears throat> the other two midfielders and the other striker to Lukaku, they're not really, uh, you know, Timo does it <clears throat> by the runs, but the runs aren't there to have an open pass. He's not going to create a whole lot. Uh, so we did, there was no create real creation on the field to feed the beast that is Romelu Lukaku because he's not he's not the guy that's going to be do what Harry Kane's doing right now, right? He's not going to drop, pick up the ball, be a a false nine. He's not that. So um, let's get that out of our heads right now. It's not what he was brought in to do. He was brought in. Hey, we just want you to finish. So let's go through our team on the creative players actually in the squad. You can say Mason Mount, but he's not done it for either England or Chelsea. Not in a long time. You can say Ziyech, but I don't think 
Ziyech is at the level where he can play in the Premier League. Most of his st- good good games were in the Champions League, um, if memory serves, last year. Because it's more open, it's not as physical, it's not as fast. Um, I won't bring up the orange slices. We can leave that go because he's not at the level. Um, so that that leaves you with Christian Pulisic. And I keep going back to it and people... People keep saying, oh, you can't say that. But when it was him and Giroud after Project Restart that took us into the top four. And they played together. They played off each other. You saw it when Bashwai played. He played Bashwai in. So he, you, can, you actually have film of him doing that with a striker. And he's the only one I can see that, number one, can break a defense down by himself. Go check the Liverpool tape if you if you think that Mo Salah is the only one that could do that at Anfield. Sorry, he went through four world class defenders. So I think, and I'm going to keep on this train until one he doesn't do it, or two he's no longer the team. We have to have a fit Christian Pulisic to win the title because him and Romelu Lukaku whether he plays on the right or the left of Rom, of Rom, I don't care. He will he will play the ball into him because he knows how to play off a striker like Lukaku. Yeah. The other point I want to make is why was Rom on the left and Timo on the right? Rom is better off the right-hand side and Timo is better off the left-hand side. I'm thinking maybe they thought that Chilwell would connect up with Romelu Lukaku. But Rom needs to be on the right-hand side if you're playing a two-striker formation. Werner should be on the left-hand side because Rom prefers to come in on his left foot. He's not as good off the left. So I, I think that was uh, that was a wrong setup there. But until we get the American back and I get killed on this every time I say it, this team is not going to click going forward. Not Mason Mount's not going to do it. Timo Werner's not going to do it. I don't think Havertz is that player. I think he went Havertz around the box because he can play those those short p- passes kind of like Christian does, but he doesn't do it from a long distance. You don't see a lot of through balls from Kai Havertz. I haven't seen a, a lot of compilations of, of him playing beautiful through balls. Not to say he can't do it, but I almost think of him as a nine in this formation more than as a 10 or a winger, unless we were playing uh, four attack, or excuse me, uh, a 4-3-3 four, three, three or something like that, where you, you had some, so much, he'd get much more space to work in. Uh, and I don't want to talk about Ziyech because he had a headache and couldn't play. Oh, Sorry. God. Oh, I, that, that I'm done. Me. Yeah, I'm done. Seriously. And I made this joke, and Marv hasn't heard it, so... And Marv's Marv is married. I believe Marv is married. Not yet, but almost. But you have you ever heard "Not tonight, honey"? I have a headache. Oh God, no, not not yet, my friend. <laughs> well, you will. You will. I'm too much for that, you know. And so that was my thought when I heard Hawkins Ziesh without because of a headache. It's not <laughs> not not today, Thomas. I have a headache. Oh, that. <laughs> 
I can I can guarantee any viewer that is under the age of twenty that joke has gone right over their head. But anyone over the age of twenty five definitely is laughing right now. So uh, I'll, I'll let I'll let the uh, more mature fans of this podcast laugh at that joke, and then the young people. I just suggest looking it up because there's no point of explaining it. It's not good <laughs> to explain a joke, but you all laugh when you hear it. But yeah, I mean, we the only the only argument I'm going to try and make for Ziesh. And this is just coming from a medical background because I, I I was bewildered. Like, is there is there is there a shortage of paracetamol in the UK now? Don't have a pill pill to pop just to cure a headache. But I was thinking because he's had this shoulder problem and he's wearing obviously this brace, and it's very common that if there's a problem in the shoulder, usually it causes a strain in the neck, and from the ne- from the neck you can get headaches, which again is not really curable by just taking a paracetamol so that is my only possible physical idea and that is just me thinking very outside the box just to try and even understand why Ziesh is out with a headache but I I don't even know I mean if he if if he if he can't play with a headache and unless it's some serious headache I'm sorry you just need to go back you just need to go to Europe and play some football elsewhere because We've had we we've had players that go on with half a leg, and they still carry on. If you can't play with a headache, I'm sorry. That's not you. You're not. It sounds harsh, but you're not Chelsea ready. Um, but I, I will make. I, I do. I do really agree with the point of Pulisic, and I have got an article which hopefully should be coming out. Well, on the day by the time this comes out, on basically his injury crisis how all the injuries he's had, is he actually injury prone and are the stats of he's only played 40% of the possible minutes he could have had at Chelsea, is that over the top? Which I will just say the short answer now, yes, but you guys can read why um, tomorrow. So hopefully you guys enjoy that. But yeah, Pulisic is so important. to I, I I honestly get confused what Havertz does and I do agree with you, Jess, a little bit. I do think, I, I don't really see him now as a, a winger. I see him more as a backup to Rom or a backup to Werner because I don't outside that number nine and even the false nine last season, I haven't seen a good game for him, and that worries me because I don't think he was play. I don't think he wants to play backup. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And then Ziyech, Callum, both of them, and Mount as well. They're just all not good enough in creativity at the moment. And Ziyech was brought in to do that. That's the that's the part I I, I get very annoyed with Ziyech. Because Mount, obviously Mount has his other things that he does that people argue is positive. That's fair enough. But you still need to create. But Ziyech, you were brought in to do that job. You're the guy that we paid £35 million to, to do this exact job. And it's not being done. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think we need to get... Either we get another sort of player like Pulisic and play that style of football, which there is I, 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 there isn't many. There's a couple of players you could pick out, um, but or you you go and look for this creative player. I know people have I given the idea of possibly looking at this Bernardo Silva situation, which I wouldn't be completely against, uh, and seeing if if there's a possible deal to be done there, but. Oh, I just, it's just frustrating. I, I don't. I, I feel if we can't get Pulisic fit, I, I do worry about at the end of the day 
get into the end get into i know people are, are give the idea oh, goals win you games but defense wins your titles but i feel like this we could this could this this league could go down to goal difference and if we lose on goal difference i'm gonna be fuming because that's not that's not a way you lose a title um so we'll have to see how it improves i mean the good thing is we have got relatively easy games and i'll say that because there there are some obviously there are easy games in the league but there are as we've seen smaller teams can be hard to beat hard to beat sometimes but we need we and we need we need to figure out what we're doing with this attack i mean my advice would be i don't give a damn about making people happy uh making certain players happy give them certain players time if i was thomas tuchel whatever front three or front two or whatever you want just continuously play that apart from the rotation games Malmo you can play whoever you want because we should beat Malmo no matter what but in these games just try the one try the one you want and then all these excuses of gelling should be over by that point because they should have enough games to iron out all the issues that they have and then we can stop people can stop using this excuse I do think when Pulisic comes back, Pulisic has to be one of them. Whoever else you want to put, Werner, Havertz, whoever, then Thomas Tuchel or whoever, that is, be your guest, be my guest. But Pulisic has to be one of them guys. And until Pulisic proves me otherwise, I don't want people coming to talk to me about it because it's it's just frustrating to go around in the same circles. I know Jester's probably gets frustrated of it too. Um, what, are you, what are you talking about? I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, well, to be fair, actually, you're you're right all the time. So I assume yeah, you're probably I, not, you're not bored of it. Yeah, I am. I I can't I kind of am bored of it, and uh, it's it's because he's an American, and nobody has made a, another argument otherwise. Because even when he even his Crystal Palace game, where he scored a goal. And I put the stats up of what he did, and he was considered a not good game. And I put up what Callum Hudson-Odoi did and the game he was supposedly good in, and it was not even close to Christian's bad game. Nobody can tell me it's not biased based on where he's from and the fact that they didn't want him here in the first place. It's just, it's, it's, it's awful. And those people really need to grow up and understand that Callum Hudson-Odoi is a highly flawed player yes he has talent he has one foot one foot is fine when you're coming up under 23s if you're more talented that one foot will get you so far but if you're playing in a premier league at the top top level you have to be able to go left and right so you 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 have a choice and defenders have to respect both both sides callum just shade his right foot you're fine he's nothing when you do that, so that's that's my that's the end of the story on Callum. I just don't want to hear about him anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to see Pulisic play. So hopefully, soon. I imagine his injury is going to be cleared up. Because I mean, actually, I'll explain that because I have had that same thing explained to me. So I might as well explain it to a bunch of viewers rather than having to explain it another 20, 25 times in a message or on Twitter at some point. But everyone that keeps moaning about why is Pulisic out this long, Chelsea said 10 days. 
I'll explain it just from my medical background of why they said 10 days. And actually, everyone misquotes it. They said at least 10 days. So they said it would be a minimum of 10 days, which in, with the injury he's got, which is a high ankle sprain, it can be 10 days, but it can also be six weeks, which depending on the grade, the, how bad the tear is, depends on how long it is. Obviously, Chelsea did not do an x-ray but or a scan for one reason or another. I do not know why, but I assume they have just gone down on the rehab route and see how it goes. Now, with these ankle injuries, especially when you haven't got a scan, you Christian Pulisic first has to get out of that pain barrier to move on to the next start, stage of rehab, which is the whole stability of the ankle. Now, that could be 10 days, that could be 20 days, 30 days, 40 days. We don't know. It's up to, personally up to the player and how bad the injury is. And it's very subjective. So I, I do blame Chelsea for just saying from 10 days because everyone's assumed it will be 10 days. And even I, to a point, stupidly assume that. Um, but people need to stop going on saying, oh, he's injury prone. Because that challenge that he got, you put any one of your favourite players in that same tackle and they would have exactly the same results. So people need to just calm down. Um, as they'll see in my article, they'll, I'll explain why people need to calm down. But we just let, let Pulisic come back and let him show us what he's got. Moving on to the final topic before we have a listener's question that I'd like to discuss because it's actually quite a good one. Um, Thomas Tuchel and generally his tactics and his particularly the substitutions in the game. Um, Jesters, what what did you think of his tactics? Did you think he got on right? And generally the substitutions as well in particular? Or did you think Thomas Tuchel just got it wrong in that game in terms of trying to manage the game towards the end? Well, considering all the players that were missing, all the players not on form, what else was he going to do? Um, I expected him to play a, a, a 3-5-2. We played a 3-5-2. I maybe expected Jorginho to play instead of uh, Kovacic and have Ruben and Conte at the eights. Okay. But it's not like he put a bunch of waste men out there. So if you have nobody on form and people unavailable through injuries or whatever, I think he did the best he could. And remember, Liverpool went there and got a draw. Arsenal got spanked. Like you rightly said, they only lost to Brighton, who right now is, I think, uh, sitting fourth in the league. Um, we, we, we nicked a 1-0. He picked, he picked the, most, the two most important people of the game, Ben Chilwell and Edward Mendy. Um, you know, there's some people calling for Marcus Alonso, or at least one person. And Vin Chilwell, you know, had the shot that, that uh, you know, ultimately won the game. And Edward Mende did, stood on his head. And the back, the back three, since the last 25 minutes of the game, were actually fairly good. So, Thomas Tuchel can only put the tactics and the people in place. Once they get on the field, they have to rely on their God-given talent. And the ability to to make things happen, and that's what we're missing right now. They're just not doing those parts of it. So, I 
you know, for what he had to work with, I thought he did excellently. Yeah, I mean, I would argue, for me, it was, I, I think the starting lineup, I don't have a problem with. I mean, there would be, a, as you said, I'd add one or two players in, but it didn't really make too much of a difference. I think, for me, it was more the substitutions he brought on. I understood that, obviously, Kovacic had that yellow card, so he was likely to be the first player that comes off. But for me, I would have brought, I, I didn't understand Mason Mount coming on. Um I just I, I, I knew as soon as he come on, I knew he was going to be wanting to join, become one of the inside forwards. And then we effectively didn't have that third man in midfield. And that's where we started losing. We started losing the momentum because we had two in midfield. Their three men overran our two men. Um, and then that's where the defence got into loads of trouble. I felt at that point, Jorginho seemed like the perfect answer. We control, try and control the tempo. You have Ruben and Kante to clear up and try and stop the press, then pressing on Jorginho. And my idea was if you have the ball, they don't have the ball and they can't create chances. Um, and then even with the Havertz substitution, at a time when when they had they were having they obviously had the momentum, we were nowhere, we were never gonna get it back because it was it was all over. And the way they were playing at set pieces and I think we are a team that does in that team starting lineup the only person that was really tall properly tall and good with set pieces was Ruben Lukaku and that was really it you had the defenders I mean Saar not the biggest um naturally not the best jumper either Shalaba was okay Christensen's all right but not the most physical we did we were struggling with set pieces so for me it made no sense to take off Lukaku and put Havertz on because I felt Havertz weren't going to give something that Lukaku wasn't. And it just, again, I know Havertz is fairly tall himself, but it just took that height, again, away from trying to defend them set pieces, which I thought at that point, we're not looking to score another goal. We're looking to defend the lead. So I would, in that situation, Werner wasn't really providing much on the counter-attack. For me, that would have been the opportunity if you want to bring Havertz on bring one for that at least extra height and then if you play a counter-attack for them then you play a counter-attack I mean the Reese James thing as he was kind of rubbish anyway so I can understand Reese coming on it was too late today to do much about it um Marv what did you what, what did you think do you agree with Jester's that the tactics and the substitutions were okay or did you also think did you think they were a bit off oh I mean I, I probably would have gone and picked George yeah, I think uh Roma just penalty Tammy just won it um but yeah no I think I mean I'm not one to really criticize Tuchel I think there's only one or two times he's really done something that's made me think wow um but no I mean he he brings on the subs that he thinks can help him win the game I I was calling for Mount to come on uh when he came on so I wouldn't go I won't uh be a hypocrite so yeah that was the wrong choice I thought Mount's energy would have actually helped us regain a bit more control of the game to recover the ball quicker so, I oh know, they gave offside, I think, no penalty. Um, and I think, like, the, the idea behind criticising the subs, I mean, what were his subs? I'm trying to remember. Uh, so he had Kovacic off for Mount, Lukaku yeah. off for Havertz, and Azpi off for James. What, what Havertz come on? I didn't even realise. Yeah. yeah, he took Lukaku off and put Havertz on. Well, I mean, that probably should have been the starting line. Oh, no, it is a penalty here, I believe. Yeah, uh, Tammy's about to take, is he going to take it? 
Sorry, oh, I'm really interested. No, it's not Tammy. It doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I think those, I mean, those were probably the things I might have done. I mean, maybe not Cover because he was playing quite well. But, you know, I, I'm not sure the subs are what cost us the foothold in the game. We're getting dominated from the 50th minute. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I just thought, I think particularly the Mount substitution I felt was not right for me. I, I did think it was going to be one of because I think he does provide the energy for Mount, but oh, he's, one of them, he's one of them ones that rushes forward and wants to join the front three. And I felt that did we did lose that extra man in midfield. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a big mistake from Tuchel, but I'm just, uh, I, I guess I'm just being picky because I, I, I like, I like to be the best. But um. There you go. I mean, we won the game anyway, so it doesn't matter. But final thing before we finish the pod, we had a. I asked for a couple of listener questions just to spice things up a little bit, and we did have a good one. Actually, funny enough, it does. It doesn't even come from a Chelsea fan. So, but it's 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 a it's a decent question. I'll just pick up the name because I'm really unorganised and didn't get this up straight away. It's a lovely <laughs> am, lovely amateur work from me. Ah, uh, here it is. So it's Nathan at it's man like MB. He asks, uh, "What is the background story behind you guys becoming Chelsea fans, and are you proper Chelsea?" Uh, I know, obviously, that we all have very different uh, reasons and points in time that we become Chelsea fans. So I think it'd be nice to kind of explain it. Um, Marv, um, I'll start with you. How, how did you become a Chelsea fan, and are you proper Chelsea? Um, what is proper Chelsea? That's a very uh, controversial that, topic. Yeah, that, that would be a question in itself. Um, well, what's proper Chelsea? I mean, for me, proper Chelsea is somebody that always wants to support the team and always uh, does their best to watch the games at the very least. Um, I'm not one of those that say they complain and bitch and get angry and, and criticise the team when they lose because that shows that you actually care and don't just go there to drink beer and then go, get away from your family. So that's a very big question. Um, I, my first game was 1993 or four season, um, I, and I went Chelsea Tottenham. We won 4-3 in the last minute. Mark Steen scored. I'm a little bit older, I think, than the guys. Actually, Jester's might be a similar age to me. Um, so my first Chelsea game was going there with my dad. I'd resisted it for my young ages. I'd liked football, but I didn't have a team at the beginning. And my dad pressed the issue. I didn't really get there. And then when I went to a game and I smelled the grass and all that, that's when it began. I become a fan around about 1994. I would say I'm proper Chelsea, although I probably could have gone to more games than I have. I took a quite a long time out of actually going to the games because I was poor and I had no money. Um, but when I eventually got that, I started going again because uh, obviously I only had my dad to take me when I was younger. I was a, just a seven or eight year old boy then. Um, so this is what, how it started for me. And then I saw the FA Cup final 94. I cried more than I'd ever cried before as we got battered by the team I hate the most in the world. Um, and then it just got better. I got really lucky. I was a fan for just a couple of years and we won the FA Cup. We won the League Cup. We won the Cup Winners' Cup. And from then on, I ne- I've gradually seen my team grow so much that now I never want us to be shit ever again. So it really bothers me when we start to slip off. I never want to see us go back to the 90s, even though it was a lovely time. I would say I am a proper fan, of course, but I really do. The thing that I care the most about is that my team wins and I want my team to succeed. That's the most important thing for me. So I think there are bigger and better fans than me, but I would say that I am a proper fan as I've been a fan for over 28, 29 years or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Marv, I, I, if it makes you feel any better, I think you're proper Chelsea. And I think you, you summed it up perfectly in a way. 
I think someone that's proper Chelsea is someone that just wants the team to win. And I think, yeah. personally, I think it's also, and this will be a bit controversial to some certain stands, it's people that support the team and not support one particular player. Because you do get these people that will hate Chelsea players for no reason. I mean, there's, there, there's there, obviously there's players you prefer and don't prefer. But there's yeah. players you, you, you wouldn't think they're Chelsea fans. And that, that's the point I go, well, are you at, I, I never, I don't like using the word proper Chelsea, but no. I, I question, like, are you actually, do you actually care for the history and the badge? The there are, the there are fans that when William used to score, used to pretend that it was still like the score before he'd scored. And I think that kind of stuff is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for example, if we win the Champions League and Callum Hudson-Odoi scores the winner, you think I'm not going to celebrate that? Yeah. I'm going to celebrate that and ask him to get one million a week. It's, exactly. I only care about the team winning, and if it, you know, if I ever do criticise a player, it's out of nothing else except the fact that I don't feel that they're quite delivering the standard that should be delivered, and that is literally as deep as it gets with me. Exactly. I think again with Jess, I think that's exactly the same thing. And most people, everyone on this pod is the same. I don't think anyone on this pod has. We 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 laugh at Sadiq's agendas, but we know they're just jokes around. Um, but. Yeah, I think that's that. That's a great story from you. I mean, Jester's obviously. Uh, what what is your what is your general story of behind the background of how you got into Chelsea? Well, yeah, mine is uh, <laughs> probably a lot funnier, uh, considering why. Um, of course, Premier League wasn't widely shown in the states until uh, NBC got the rights to them. Uh, before before the last, uh, I mean, when they did the big um, co- uh, TV contract, the first big one, I can't remember when that was. Uh, but of course, you have to be home to be able to watch these matches. And there was a time and period of time in my life I was not at home a lot. So when I started getting weekends off, yeah, I sat down and oh, of course, at that time. It, you know, in the States, we call it soccer. So I was like, I was watching, already watching Dortmund because how I picked my teams was, is there any Americans playing that I can get behind? Because I didn't have an association with a team. And of course, Christian Pulisic was at Dortmund. So I watched uh, some Bundesliga games with Dortmund and that's when they had uh, Dembele and Aubameyang. And they were quite... Uh, pleasing to watch. I mean, attacking football-wise, they were brilliant. And then, of course, NBCSN, who broadcasts the game over here, I finally said, oh, well, Premier League, this is English football, it's supposed to be the best in the, in the world. And so, again, I started looking for, oh, who has an American on their team that I can support? And funnily enough, Matt Miazka, had got some run out. <laughs> oh my god! I was thinking, I was like, there was no American at the on most points, and then I remembered Matt Miazga. Oh god! Yeah. And I, uh, I, I, I think everyone was waiting for you to say, "Oh, Christian Pulisic," but no. Yeah. Matt Miazga. <laughs> Matt Miazga. I want to say it was fifteen sixteen. Wow. Oh. And uh, I was like, okay, well, let's get them a watch. And I just started watching them play. And, of course, Edna Hazard was there and uh, Diego Costa. 
and I just started to enjoy watching them play the way they played um, because they weren't they were they had you know some very tough personality you know Diego Costa was he didn't put up with anything and I come from old old school sports where you don't flop around on the ground um, Eden Hazard of course was beautiful to watch him play and I just kind of fell in love with the team and watched them ever since and so I don't know if that makes me proper Chelsea or not I really don't care if I have that tag or not at all um because I know a lot of people who say they're proper Chels, I wouldn't want to be around anyway. Um, but yeah, ever since then, I've watched nothing but Chelsea. Uh, still watch Dortmund because they still have Americans coming through. And I like to watch for national team, uh, for, for the national team and just to see how they're doing, how they're developing. Uh, so I, I, I try to watch teams that have an, uh, an American national team member on them just because I get an idea how, how it's developing. But Chelsea is my main team. I mean, I've got probably $600 with the kits sitting upstairs. Uh, probably 600 more I'm going to buy this year. I don't know if that makes me plastic or not, whatever. I don't care. Um, and they're not replica kits. They're full kits. They're game-worn kits. So I, I just love the team. I love the way they play. And of course, now my favorite player's playing, which makes just icing on the cake. Uh, but no, I'm not. I'm still Chelsea over Pulisic, or not Pulisic over Chelsea. You know, I've said, and I'll say it again, he needs to start doing more or they need to look to move him on because I'm still Chelsea first. And so that's why I don't like Cho stands or mounters or whatever you want to say. I, I can't deal with those people because they like the player over the team or they they prop the player up over the team i'm just speaking on facts when i say christian politics necessary for this team i'm not saying that i won't watch the team or i want the team to lose if he's not playing that's just not me so whether that makes me proper chelsea or not i don't know and i don't really care it's the team i love to watch it's the team i get up at four o'clock in the morning sometimes to watch when I lived in Arizona, you know, tell me, tell me, uh, uh, how many fans get up at 4 a.m. to watch a preseason match? Not even a regular season, a preseason match. So I don't know. I just I enjoy it, and this is the team that I I talk the most about. Uh, how many streams do I do I go on? Four or five sometimes, plus podcasts. So maybe maybe that makes me proper jealous. I don't know. Yeah, Justin, I mean, I, I have the utmost respect for a lot of international fans like you. I mean, I when I was younger, obviously, you know, it's typical arrogant youth, youth like, youthness. I, I, I'd always think, like, 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 this is me at, like, 12, but I wouldn't think about, oh, what the international fans go for us. Like, it's just watching TV. It's just watching a game. What What's what's so difficult about that? that I think that was the way I phrased it. But now I realise about how the times you have to get up and the fact that you could you could get up before I am we could lose five six nil and for me it would just it just ruined my Saturday afternoon but for you it ruined the whole day potentially and that 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 must be horrible I mean I I have the utmost respect for all international fans I mean just as I mean 
obviously it's 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 a within national fans it's nice to hear your experiences of how you became Chelsea fan and it is brilliant that the reason you become a Chelsea fan was because Matt Miazga signed was at Chelsea so I mean it, it I didn't I didn't think there was a positive of Matt Miazga being a Chelsea player but I think I've just found it because it, <laughs> it, it it's brought you to the club so credit to Matt Miazga thank you for that thank you for your service at Chelsea um but yeah, I mean, again, I don't like the term proper Chelsea, but in terms of what I think is proper Chelsea, yes, you are proper Chelsea, Jesters. Thank so, you, sir. No worries. I mean, now it's left to me. And I, I've got kind of a, I wouldn't say an interesting story, but I've got a story. Um, and it's one where I, I can tell there's going to be always one that goes, oh, plastic fan, glory hunter, or whatever. But anyway, so... I, I come from a family that we, all my family, they support relatively different teams. I mean, you've got my mum's side of the family that are generally Chelsea fans and a couple and a couple of Everton fans, which is just weird, but there you go. Um, and then my dad's side of the family, uh, my granddad never really watched football. He kind of at one point went for a stint of going to Tottenham because that's where his work was. Um, but and generally towards the end of his life, he was uh, he went with my dad to Ipswich. Um, but I, I I came in and my dad was like, I'm not gonna force you to support Ipswich. Obviously, he said he knew that I, I had the choice between Chelsea and Ipswich. He was like, I'm not gonna um, force you. I went to a couple of Ipswich games when I was obviously not able to remember uh, actual footballing experiences. There is a picture of me, two years old, uh, in the arms of the Ipswich mascot. Um, I, I would I would argue that's child exploitation, but there you go. Um, and yeah, I, I wasn't again like Marv. I wasn't really particularly interested in football. It was just something I went to to get out of the house. And it was a game back in I think it was two thousand six, two thousand five, and we played Sunderland. I think it was under the yeah it was under the Mourinho years and it was we obviously I had never had Sky Sports or anything at home so if I wanted to go watch football I'd have to go around to my aunt and granddad's and we went down it was Chelsea versus Sunderland on TV and the way I just sat there and just fell in love with the team even my granddad would say it was like nothing he'd ever seen before because he seen me watch football and I'd generally at that time you you didn't understand football you just pick a good cheer when they score and there you go sometimes I, I probably cheered for the wrong uh, teams i would never want to cheer for but um yeah i sat down watched the game and then i think at the end of that i said granddad i want to be a chelsea fan and my granddad was like oh that's fine your mum's a chelsea fan so that suits you and i was like okay that's fine and yeah so that I, from there I went. I went. I went into school the next day. Um, it was back in the day of match attacks. Uh, what a what a bunch of trading cards! And I brought in all my match attacks because I used to collect them. Um, and I just said, I'm, I'm giving away all my all my all my match attacks, my Ronaldo's, uh, well, not Ronaldo, but all my Rooney's and stuff like that at the time. And I was like, he's you know like, what, what are you trading for it? I was like, I just want Chelsea players because that's all I care about. Um, and then I went and got the kits. Um, it took me time to 
get to games because obviously my dad would generally go always go watch Ipswich so he took me to a couple of League Cup games um, occasionally but didn't get to go to much um, I actually managed to get to go to I got a ticket um, from a friend that he couldn't go he went to the uh, well I went to the Barcelona match in 2012 which was fantastic probably one of the best games I've ever been to um, great moment um, and then yeah I mean I've, I've always supported always went around my granddad's to watch the football and then I think I started going to watch Chelsea religiously 15-16 which was horrible and then 16-17 under Conte uh, Conte was a manager that I very much fell in love with uh, I was there for the Everton Chelsea match where it was free free and John Terry scored in the dying minutes to uh, equalize and then I was in the crowd right next to where John Terry come into the crowd to celebrate and that was again one of my best moments uh, I've been to many I, I, I'll probably say I, I, at that time I was going to about 12 15 games a season uh, on the membership and then uni come and then that meant I had no money to go again so I haven't actually been to the bridge in a long time but yeah, I mean, that is my story. It's kind of boring and people will say it's kind of glory hunting because I didn't choose Ipswich, but sometimes you, there's just moments in time where you just sit down and love the club. And I mean, I, I, I'd, I'd make the point that but part, my, part of my family supported Chelsea and yeah, I, I would choose, I mean, I had parts of my family that support West Ham, parts of my family that support Arsenal and Everton and Ipswich. So out of all them, I think I chose the right option. But uh, there you go. Um, but yeah, that's my story. Uh, uh, it's nice because all three of us have got relatively different stories. I mean, in terms of the proper Chelsea, I'd say I'm proper Chelsea because I support the team. I'm not a player. I, I particularly have a love for Ruble off the cheek with the unofficial Ruble off the cheek fan club. But at the same time, like Jester said, I'm not. I, I don't love Ruben off the cheek to hate another player. If Ruben off the cheek plays well and plays, I'll be really happy. And I love to watch him play. But if, if, if he left Chelsea, I'd be a bit annoyed. But it's not the end of the world because Chelsea's the club of sport, not any other player. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my story. Like it or love it, like it or love it, that is that is what it is. Um, and yeah, that that is the end to answering that great question, Nathan. So thank you for bringing it up because it was a fantastic question. And we got... Particularly some good jokes out of some of them stories, particularly the Matt Miazga moment. That was that, that is still making me chuckle right now. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I still can't believe Matt Miazga. Yeah. Did he, has he even played for the club? He played, was, I don't know if it was pre-season, preseason games or if he got yeah, I think he some towards the end of, of 15, 16 or... It was right before I think Conte came in, so yeah. So he probably got yeah. He probably does get the preseason. I don't think he's ever actually played properly. Maybe he might have played a cup game or two, but yeah. I mean, but Matt. What well, anyway? Matt Miazga's bring Jester's in, so that's all that matters. Um, yeah, that brings the end to what has been a very wonderful pod, speaking about a wonderful game and a very wonderful question by uh, Nathan. So again, Nathan, thank you for that. I'll put your. Uh, tag in the description so if anyone wants to go follow Nathan despite him being an Arsenal fan at least give him something positive to think about this season he might love the followers 
even though his club's doing crap. Um, but there you go. So, Marv, first of all, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, as always, my man. Perfect. And Jester's, thank you for coming on once again. Again, thank you for having me on, and I enjoy these things every time I get to do them. So, again, thank you. Perfect. And thank you, everyone, for staying tuned. Uh, thank you for staying with us while we were got missing in action uh, for the international break. Uh, we apologise for that. Um, but we will be back uh, probably next weekend. We'll review the Malmo game and we'll review the Norwich game. Uh, and then we'll carry on to the rest of the season. And then we will get some, we will record some extra episodes. So we will be prepared for the international break when it does come. Because uh, I, I realise there's another one coming around in three weeks. So that's lovely. Because I really want to watch England once again. <sighs> Sighing that. I mean, I'm sure Jesters does not want to watch America right now because that, they're not doing much better. No, no, but uh, hopefully it'll get better since when players get back. But yeah, you're right. No, I, I don't want players to get back because Pulisic will get back and get injured again by some idiot <laughs> from Concaf. Bum Honduras games. Yeah, like, yeah. Can, 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 can you just get Greg to stop playing Pulisic? Well, it, it, he has to play him if he wants to keep his job. Oh, well, perfect. Just don't play him, lose your job, and then Pulisic can just... Yeah, I'm fine with it right now, because, yeah, we won't go in there. Yeah, we will. I had to talk for another day in another podcast. Anyway, thank you all for listening. 